Good morning and welcome to the Vine Community Church as we join together to worship God and hear his word. You're more than welcome here, so uh, join with us as we enter a short time of worship and then we'll be back to continue our teaching series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Lord, have your God is good. Doesn't matter how we feel, God is good. And it was good to worship together. Uh, we continue this teaching series uh, on the coming of the Holy Spirit and how that changed the early believers and how the same Holy Spirit continues to work in us and impacts on the church of today. Uh, we're looking through this series at the fruits of the Spirit, the spiritual gifts. Um, and um, the power that the Holy Spirit brings. Last week, we looked at what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, how they are given to us by the Holy Spirit, how we use them alongside our talents, um, and in that, how we partner with the Holy Spirit. We also looked at how, although we don't get to choose which gifts the Holy Spirit gives us, we can influence that. We are to desire the greater gifts. Today, we are going to unpack the gifts that are spiritual in nature, the pneumaticon. That's the list of gifts that we find in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 to 10. We can split those gifts into three groups. The gifts of utterance, the gifts of speech, the gifts of revelation, and the ability or power gifts. This morning, we're going to be focusing on those first three gifts, the gifts of utterance, which are the gifts of tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues, and the gift of prophecy. So let's start with the gift of tongues. It's probably the most used and the most visible of the gifts. But firstly, let, let's deal with the, the name. Uh, we say the gift of tongues, but the word tongues is, is really just descriptive. It's descriptive of what the crowd at the first Pentecost heard, because they heard their own language. It's not... Um, the actual Greek word that's used, though. Uh, in the Greek, the word is glossa, which is, is singular. And it, the word means tongue. Well, why split hairs? Why split hairs over an S, the plural or the singular? Well, it's important in our understanding, really, of what this gift is. Because the gift of tongues is not a crash course in multiple languages. On that first Pentecost, when Peter stood up to preach, he didn't speak in Greek. And then John translated to the language of Cappadocia. Uh, and then maybe James translated to the language of the people of, the, of Medes. That's not the way it was. Peter spoke one tongue, one language. And that language was heard differently by each person of each nation. 
Uh, the gift of speaking in a tongue is simply to speak in another language. A spirit-inspired language. A language that is never learned. It's the language of which the meaning and the speaker is completely unaware. It may be an earthly language, Corinthians 13 tells us, or it may be a heavenly language, a language of the angels, as it says. Whatever it is, the language is inspired by the Holy Spirit. You know, we often hear stories where people have been speaking in tongues over a group of people or to an individual. And those people, even today, hear that message in fluent Arabic or, or Spanish or, or, or whatever language they speak. I wonder whether the bystanders that also observe that hear that too. I wonder if they hear the speaker speaking fluent Spanish or Arabic or whether they just hear an unintelligible group of sounds, a babbling, but they are not tuned into the message, so they don't understand the meaning. I wonder about those bystanders on the first Pentecost that accused people of being drunk on cheap harvest wine. I wonder if that was true for them too. They didn't hear Peter speaking in their language or any other language they'd have recognised. They heard something they didn't understand and made an accusation to rationalise it. Throughout the Bible, we get references to tongues being used in two different ways. They're either used in spoken language or they're used in song. In Romans, we, we read in the, from Romans 8, 26 to 27. It says, in the same way, the Spirit helps in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. The Spirit can put words into us when we have no words ourselves. And that may be when we speak, when we pray, when we intercede, when we worship, or when we sing. You know, speaking in tongues is a real comfort to me. Um, and it's a real comfort to many people because it really does step in when words fail us. It really does step in when we don't have the words to pray adequately into a situation. The Holy Spirit steps in when we don't have the words that measure up to the praise and worship that we give our Father God. I, I really benefit from speaking in tongues. So I think we should all desire that gift even if we don't understand what the tongue is saying. The gift of speaking in tongues is given for prayer and for worship to enable us to speak to God from our spirit. When we speak in a tongue, we utter mysteries in the spirit, as, as Corinthians uh, 14.2 tells us. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, as it says in 14.4. 
Paul's emphasis throughout 1 Corinthians 14 is that we don't use the Spirit-inspired language selfishly, though. We need to use it in a way that builds up the body of the church. And because of that, Paul references that on the whole, where a tongue is given in a public setting, it should be interpreted as a sign for those unbelievers. But Paul is careful not to ban the use of tongues, and we'll come to that later. So why do we use tongues? What's the benefit? I've already given you a hint from the way I use it. But it is there for prayer. It tells us that in Romans, 20, in Romans 8, 26 to 27. It's a way of worshipping God. It's a sign to other people that God is moving and is manifesting us through the Holy Spirit. There should be no compulsion to speak in a tongue. The Holy Spirit doesn't force it on us. It's entirely our choice. But if we do want to speak in a tongue and the Holy Spirit gives us that gift of tongues, that is our choice too. So let's talk about some practical steps. I'm going to give you the first and most important practical step of speaking in tongues. Ask the Holy Spirit for the gift. And then I'm going to give you the second most important practical step in speaking in tongues. Open your mouth. Strangely enough, because it's not forced on us, if we don't move these, nothing comes out. Let's have a look at one believer's first experience of speaking in tongues. Well, the first time I heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit was at my church in college. I moved four and a half an hours, four and a half hours away from my home and got a new church and someone spoke in tongues during a sermon and I had no idea what was going on <laughs> and so I um, talked to my pastor and um, I learned a little bit about what was going on during the sermon and I was kind of freaked out about it and I <laughs> was a little uncomfortable with the whole idea and so I just kind of didn't think about it a whole lot but for some reason it kept coming up. I uh, heard about it again from someone at church and then uh, Pastor Tim talked about it and then I heard about a healing that had gone on um, in another church and this had to do with the Holy Spirit as well and so I was just I was just questioning a lot what is going on what is God doing and um, so I had an, op an opportunity to go and learn about it and my uh, campus pastor uh, uh, encouraged me to go and I and I was kind of like well I, I it's way too uncomfortable for me I don't think I want to do that and so I didn't <laughs> and uh, talked to some other friends who were kind of freaked out by it and um, we just kind of agreed that we weren't going to believe in that because it's just kind of a weird thing and uncomfortable outside of our comfort zones but it kept coming up kept coming up and I was learning more and more about it and it became a little bit more familiar to me and as I as I did that I got another opportunity um, I went to the Father Heart of God and 
I got an opportunity to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I didn't think I was ready to do it, but I just went and I, I thought I was going to get some more information about it. And when I went in there, a pastor and another student were there to pray for me. And, and as they started praying, I said, okay, God, I'm really nervous about this. And I don't really know if I'm ready to do, do this, but I want to be closer to you and I want to do your will for my life. And so I just, I just said, I let go of everything. And, and at that moment, I began to just have this overwhelming sense of peace and um, a, a warmth settled over me that I've never known before. And um, I, my tongue got thick and just, I, as I just said, wow, what is going on here? And, um, but it just, I felt so much joy that I didn't want to stop. I just said, okay, okay, I guess this is it. And here I go. <laughs> and so, um, my, as I said before, my tongue had gotten heavy. And so I just kind of let it go. And I started bubbling this, these, I don't know, syllables or whatever it was, mumbo jumbo. I don't know. And it was like a budding new, brand new language. And I started speaking in this new language with this new tongue. And, um, it's like my body was working and I was doing it, but it wasn't from me. It was from something greater than me. And it just felt amazing. And I was so elated and so, um, just full of joy and warmth. And so that's what it felt like for me to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And ever since then, um, it, I have truly, um, discovered the power of God through that. Do you know, I absolutely love her authenticity and her willingness to be bold and, and talk about that. Um, that's a, a, a very common way that, that things happen um, where people start very slowly and it builds up into something. I also liked her description of, of the way she said her tongue became thick. That doesn't happen to me. But I think it's really good that she's got an understanding of when the Holy Spirit is moving and when it's just her saying something. I think that was really good. Um, we move on to the second of the, the gifts in the Pneumaticon, which is the gift of interpretation of tongues. Uh, and this gift is, is, is an inspired interpretation of what has been said either by yourself or by somebody else in that spiritual language, in that tongue. And as I've said, Paul really considered interpretation a necessary step within the context of a, a service. Um, I would actually say in some ways it goes beyond that because I, I think the gift of interpretation um, it gives real benefit to when you've heard a tongue or spoken a tongue in any context because you get another bite at that blessing. Um, in 1 Corinthians 14, 12 to 13, it says this, So it is with you. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they might interpret what they say. And it is all about building up the church. The gift of speaking in tongues it is great for building ourselves up, but does not fully build up the body of Christ around us. That requires interpretation. It's an interpretation, though, not a translation. Let's be really clear about that. 
we don't hear it and translate word for word. In the mind and the spirit of the interpreter, and it might be received from the Holy Spirit as a form of words or as a picture that that person then interprets. I've already hinted at the fact that the tongue is from the person and the spirit to God. And so should the interpretation be. The interpretation should mirror that tongue being praise or prayer or intercession. And it's done so that the rest of the church can share in what's been prayed or about what has been praised by the speaker. Paul makes note about tongues not being used in corporate settings unless there is an interpretation. We really have to be careful about that verse though because um, it's there to address a particular set of guidance and it's not there to ban tongues if it's not interpreted. And Paul is quick to ensure that we continue to use tongues and we don't misinterpret that. In 1 Corinthians 14.39, he explicitly says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. We spoke about practical steps of speaking in tongues. That it starts by asking for the gift and then by opening your mouth. I might have added that it's also worth starting in private. With the gift of interpretation, the advice is no different. If you want to work in that, that area, if you want the Holy Spirit to manifest and give you that gift, ask. And if he does, then start by listening to the tongues around you and asking, what, asking the Holy Spirit what is meant. It's really key that we listen when people speak in tongues. Not heard anybody? Open your ears again. Because around this church you will hear it. Ask the Holy Spirit when you do to guide you in what it means. Is it adoration? Is it praise? Is it prayer? Is it intercession? If you get an interpretation, then share it. If it's appropriate. If not, then that could just be for you to know. For you to be built up as part of that body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 14 again. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forget, forbid speaking in tongues. And that brings us nicely to the gift of prophecy. That's a gift that it, uh, we should all eagerly desire and we should all ask for. It simply means to utter inspired words. Prophecy is spirit-inspired speech. In the New Testament, prophecy is invasive prophetic speech as opposed to um, the classic prophecy of the Old Testament prophets. What do I mean by that? It's really simple, really. In the Old Testament, you were a prophet. You were, you were deemed a prophet. God used you to um, be the intermediary between him and the people in delivering 
messages. Uh, and that was your role, and, and really, that was your only role. Uh, and if you were not a prophet, God didn't use you. With the coming of the Holy Spirit, with the empowering of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, um, it becomes invasive into anybody's life that has the gift. Um, any of us can be used by God to deliver a prophecy. It breaks in to our everyday life. It could break into our prayers. It could break into the conversation we're having with our friend. It could break in while you're laying in the bath contemplating the meaning of the tiles on the ceiling. In the New Testament era, in today, anybody, any believer can be used by God to deliver a prophecy that has life-changing, life-affirming meaning to somebody. God can use you to provide his rhema word, his spoken word, into somebody's situation. You know, we've said before, it's the Spirit's desire, it's God's desire that the church should be built up and instructed and comforted. And prophecy is one of the primary ways that God does that through a spiritual gift. 1 Corinthians 14 says, For you can all prophesy in turn, so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. It's really clear as we read that passage that this is not a gift that is kept for one person. This is a gift that is, is manifested in lots of people and can be used, or they can be used by God, I should say. So what's prophecy for? Well, I've already said it's God's utterance to people. It's used for building them up. Um, it's used for um, guiding them along the right path. It's used for making them know that God loves them. It's used for making them know that God is in control. But I'll tell you some things it's not. It is not used for correcting people. That's the preaching of the word. Prophecy is not there to condemn, it's not there to judge, and it's not there to give somebody a telling off dressed up as God's word. You know, I think much harm has been caused both in churches and in society by people venting their own opinions and dressing it up as God's word. Prophecy can confront and challenge but it does not condemn. I generally find if prophecy confronts and challenges, it's not the words of the prophecy that does this. It's the Holy Spirit working on the hearer of the prophecy that starts to challenge them. When the words of the prophecy challenge, I generally find that it's not prophecy, but rather somebody giving their human opinion and that's not prophecy. Neither should prophecy be confused with preaching. Although there may be prophetic elements in a preach, in fact, 
They should be prophetic elements in a preach. But there's a vast amount of human too in a preach. The two should not be mixed up. The gift of prophecy is also not fortune telling, though it could be speaking of the future. Don't mix up words of knowledge or words of wisdom with prophecy. And especially, don't mix it up with human planning or wishful thinking. The gift of prophecy is about God speaking words of him into people's lives. Those words may not be direct fact of who they are and what they are, and they most certainly won't be direct um, um, words of wisdom of things you're going to be doing in the future. It's not a tick list. It's not a way of gaining personal guidance. You are not going to use prophecy um, in a morning to determine what the weather's going to be like, okay? Um, you have an app for that. And equally, you're not going to use it when you cross the road. You know, you're not going to get God to prophesy that you're going to cross this road safely today. God gave you eyes and he gave you skills for that. Okay, prophecy is, is about God's word speaking into your life in a more holistic, general sense, where God is giving you something that is personal to you, that will give you direction, that will give you a sense of his will and his care, but is not necessarily highly specific. Prophecy really is speaking supernaturally to men. It really is where God's words come through you. So I want to give you uh, some practical tips about how to prophesy. We'll start with the obvious one. Ask God to give you the gift of prophecy. Then do it. I like to think about prophecy as three separate but joined conversations. There's a conversation between God and me. God and the person that is being given the gift of prophecy. It's often the listening part in prayer where the Holy Spirit speaks to us, but not always. But there is a conversation there around the prophecy. Do I have it? Is that what you're saying to me? Are you actually saying something to me, Holy Spirit? Or am I, am I making it up? God's really good at, at affirming where he is delivering a prophecy. The next conversation is between the giver, the person that's got the prophecy, and the person the prophecy is for, the receiver. The exchange of a prophetic word being delivered has two very powerful people involved. The person giving and the person receiving. Both have a choice of what they do. One has a choice of whether they deliver the prophecy and whether they deliver it accurately. The other has a choice of whether they listen and accept it or not. And that's important. Just because somebody's delivered a prophecy to you, doesn't mean you have to accept it. In fact, you shouldn't accept it on first, first receipt. You, you need to take it, sift it, judge it, sift out what is good and dispose of the rest. In other words, 
What's said to you may be a mix of God's utterance and the person's soul or flesh. It's up to us to learn how to judge it because the human element is fallible. The God element isn't. We need to judge to work out which is which. Let's hear a, a little clip from somebody you will recognise talking about their experience of prophecies arriving. In your own life, um, I think it's fair to say you, you've come from a reasonably charismatic background. Do, do you, what do you, how do you see that expressed in your own prayer life? Is that something where oh. you, you see the... I love the phrase of reasonably. That's a really... <laughs> are you an Anglican? I'm not, no. Well, you sound like one well, when you say reasonably may, charismatic. Maybe I'm, that, I'm that's, close that's, enough. I really like that. I'm United Reformed Church, so maybe that's close oh, enough. Oh, yeah, that'll but... do. That'll do. <laughs> Reasonably, char reasonably charismatic as opposed to unreasonably <laughs> charismatic. I just think that's great. Uh, well, in, uh, I hope, uh, in my own prayer life, well, I mean, the obvious, I mean, the obvious thing is, is part of my daily prayer discipline is praying in tongues every day for a certain period. Mm. Um, and not as a sort of occasional thing, but as just part of daily prayer. Part of my daily prayer discipline is expecting to hear from God um, through people with words of knowledge or prophecies and an awful lot of those come in and some, some of them are, shall we say, we, I read them and think, mm, I'm not entirely sure about that. And others you think, oh yes, I can sense something of mm. the Spirit of God in that. Mm. But these are, I think the danger... I love that interview. Um, it is so nice to see somebody in a position that's traditionally um, viewed as being very uh, formal and staid, speaking from the heart. I, I really do uh, appreciate the fact that we have within the Church of England uh, a number of people like that, and we have a number of people like that right at the top. He talked about judging the prophecy. He, he couched it in, sometimes I think, then, yeah. And sometimes I think, well, I'm not sure about that. We are called to judge prophecies. And, and, and to be honest, the gut test or the Holy Spirit test is a really good way of doing it. But there, there are other things we can, we can apply as well. See, a prophecy will never contradict the written word of God. If it does, it's not from God. It will always exalt Jesus. It will never pull him down or deny him, or disregard him, or any part of the Trinity for that fact. It will always build up individuals and the wider church, and it will never do that at the expense of others. And it should witness to the majority of the believers present when it's given. What do I mean by that? Well, really simply, if a prophecy is given publicly, not just to an individual person, then the people receiving that, that test it, should come to the same conclusion. We all have the same spirit inside of us. So when we judge a prophecy given by the Spirit, we should all get to the same point of understanding. Yes, there'll be nuances between people, absolutely. We're all human, we're all fallible. But the core of it should sit well. The Holy Spirit should confirm that. 
You know, a prophecy will never, ever break the flow of a meeting. It may change its course, though. That's why, practically, if you have a prophecy in a meeting, don't just blurt it out. Go and speak to a leader. It may be right, but it may not be appropriate at that time. Finally, prophecy is often talking about things that are going to pass in the future. So there's the fruit test. The Matthew 7, 16 fruit test. By their fruit you will recognise them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? The same is true of a prophecy. If it's about the future and it doesn't bear fruit, it wasn't. The third conversation. So we've had the one between the person with the gift of prophecy and God through the Holy Spirit. We've had the second conversation between them and the person the prophecy is for. But the third conversation is between the receiver and God. I like to listen over and over to a word that's been given me, if it's been recorded. I've got a prophecy on my phone that Gerald Coates gave me, uh, and I go back and I I listen to that frequently. Uh, I like to pray over it with God. I like to unpick it. You know, if, if you're given a prophecy... Write it out, read it over and over, pray over it, and ask questions. I like to ask the Holy Spirit, is this 100% of you? Was there fluff or filler? Then I ask, what is it for now? What if this prophecy is for soon? And what if this prophecy is for 10 years' time? Discerning the timing of when the prophecy is for is really important to stepping into the promise of God. And you know, sometimes I look at the prophecy and I ask that much more fundamental question of the Holy Spirit. What is this? What does it mean? Is it really for me? Try to get a sense of the imagery and the meaning and I ask the Holy Spirit to unpack it even more. So practical steps for venturing into prophecy. We've started with asking God for it. Then there's something doing. Some really practical things. Start small. Start with asking God for a prophecy for for somebody that you know. Or even for yourself. Don't start trying to prophesy to the nations. Although God could use you that way. Start small, small in prophecy, and small in sharing. And small in number of words. And I think that's probably going to be my biggest practical hint. Don't pad it out. If God gives you six words, deliver six words, not 66. If God gives you a picture of a red balloon on a white string floating in a blue sky, then that's the picture you give. Don't fill in the fact that the sky's next to a beach and there's a donkey and a little girl with pigtails and a pink dress. That's not God, that's you. Test any prophecy that you're given. Test it against those practical steps around scripture and, and being in line with God's heart. But you can also test it by sharing it with a trusted, mature Christian, preferably somebody else who prophesies or a leader. Keep the prophecy under the authority of church leadership. It's not always appropriate to blurt it out in the middle of a service. And keep your 
prophesying directly under the authority of God. It's really important that we prophesy from the foundation that God is good. That we prophesy God's redemptive purpose for people, cities, towns, villages, churches, organisations. The final piece of practical advice I would give you about prophecy is this. When you get a word from God, when you've tested it, when you know in your heart that it is, even if there's a little bit of, well, I'm not sure, don't miss the moment. The prophecies of God are so often tied to a moment in time. A moment in your time, an opportunity to give it, but also a moment in the other person, the person that's going to receive it's life. Don't miss the boat. Believe me, it's easier to get over giving a prophecy that's not 100% or is not completely clear with somebody than it is to live knowing God spoke to you and you kept quiet. We're going to pray um, and next week we're going to continue this series uh, looking at uh, the rest of the gifts uh, of the Spirit in the uh, Pneumaticon. But let's just ask God to use us. Let's just stop Let's just still ourselves. Holy Spirit, thank you that you dwell with us. Thank you that every believer has you inside of them. Holy Spirit, you know each of our hearts. We ask that you just... Give us your gifts. Give us the ones that you need us to have to serve you. Help us to build each other up. Help us to be able to call on you, Lord, in that heavenly language when, when we don't have the words ourselves. Help us to be able to understand those, those heavenly sounds as people around us do it, that we may build up the wider church as we understand their prayer and their praise and that glory offering to you. And Lord, we desire to be able to speak your words directly. So I pray for myself and I pray for people that are engaged in this service, Lord. Through your Holy Spirit, I pray for an outpouring of those gifts of, of tongues and interpretation, but of the gift of prophecy. I pray that you'll just uh, touch people now as they're listening to this. You'll awaken something in their minds. That you'll see something in, in, in them. Uh, they'll see something, Lord, that, that is from you. You'll give them words to say. And I pray, Lord, that you'll make it really clear where this is from you. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will just empower and encourage and, and strengthen people to give those prophecies, Lord. We're there for other people. They'll do that. I pray that in faith that during this week that, uh, that uh, people will pick up the phone or, or, uh, and, and deliver words that you've given them between now and the end of today into people's lives. 
because you are a gracious God and you say that when we ask and it's within your will, you will give and you will give in abundance. Lord, we know that this is in your will. So we ask in confidence for you to pour out your gifts on us. Jesus' name. You know, I truly believe that, that, that if you are open to this, if you, if you spend some time in prayer that, and you just be quiet for a minute, which is a problem I have, God will speak into your prayer life. He'll speak into uh, you to pass to others, to give those words of prophecy, to build up this church, to build up individuals. Because God is gracious like that. Uh, we're drawing to an end. Uh, it would be great to see you uh, to next week on, on the remainder of this uh, series. Um, but it would also be good to see you in the week. Um, lockdown is starting to ease. If we're sensible, we can, uh, we can see people at a distance. Uh, it'd be good for people to do that. But if not, let's continue to meet on Zoom. Um, and let's continue to pick up the phone to each other and just to to uh, really just show the love of Jesus to each other. Um, I just pray this week that the Lord will bless you, that he'll, he'll meet with you in an amazing way, and that uh, at this time next week you'll feel closer to him than you've felt now. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>